is a privilege to open God's Word together this morning. Exodus chapter 14. I encourage you to turn there in your copy of God's Word. You can find that on page 56. The Bible's in front of you there. And as God has uh, shown us, um, actually I'm thinking more, as, as Ed has shared with us here just recently, the, the people of Israel are trapped. They're trapped between the Red Sea on the east and the oncoming Egyptian military to the north, to the west. The exodus uh, from Egypt and this trip back to the Promised Land has been um, perhaps more exciting than many of them had anticipated. Uh, The people are following the Lord in the presence of the cloud as He takes them exactly where He wants to take them. Um, So they're not only following God as their guide, but as their guardian, one who's going to fight uh, for them on their behalf. So let's, let's read the remainder of Exodus 14, beginning at verse uh, 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took six hundred chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt, with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel, while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them and camped at the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. When Pharaoh drew near... The people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is is this not what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. The Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it, that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians." that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host, his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness And it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, In the morning, watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels that they drove heavily. 
The Egyptians said, Let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea. Not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and in His servant, Moses. This is a great story. The story has been read by so many, known by so many, uh, in and out of the church. And uh, Let's pray. The Lord would work His Word into our hearts. Father, we pray that You would use this Word as that lamp unto our feet, uh, a light unto our path, a path of knowing You more, Your splendor and majesty, Your great power, in delivering us, your people, or to know ourselves more, to know those around us more. This is the path you take us, that you must take us. So we pray that you would work your word into our hearts and minds this morning. We would grow in faithfulness. You would help us in applying this word, that we would trust you deeply. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Near the opening of Prince Caspian, which is that second installment of C.S. Lewis's Chronicles of Narnia. The Pevensey children have returned to Narnia, Peter, Edmund, Susan, and Lucy, and they're trying to find their way back to the Narnians who are in hiding. Uh, the Telmarines have taken over Narnia, and they really want to eradicate, destroy uh, the Narnians. And so the children are, are walking through the woods. Uh, they've been to Narnia before, of course, so they know their way around Narnia. Until they come to this great gorge and, and Peter, the high king, is determined. He says, I know this is the way. This is where we're supposed to cross. But there's no place to cross. And just a little further, they, they keep walking through the woods and, and Lucy turns and looks across this gorge and Aslan, there, there he is, there's Aslan. And she turns and he's gone. And the others sort of look at Lucy like, what are you talking about? Where is he? I didn't see him. And uh, so they say, you know, Lucy, I'm sorry. And they, they continue uh, trying to find their way to reunite with the Narnians in battle against the Telmarines. In Exodus chapter 14, there's a battle coming. But it's not a battle that Israel is going to fight. It's not the real battle that they face. Much like these, the Pevensey children who return back to Narnia, it's, it's a battle that they face with themselves. With their own self-confidence. This is where we cross. This is the way. Their own security, maybe comfort. We know the way. And the people seem quick to forget, and we're just getting started here in Exodus 14, they seem quick to forget, as you and I do, that God is our deliverer. We forget His rule and power, the power of His outstretched arm for us. And so when things look rough or worse, 
whatever boldness or confidence we seem to have, well, that vanishes. We knew this would happen. We know better. God, we told you so. So here are the people of Israel just days out from under the control of Egypt saying to Moses, we told you so. It would be better if we would just stay and serve in Egypt. You know, Moses, if you hadn't shown up, we wouldn't be in this mess. So now the past and all that, that misery of the past, that looks like the good old days in their present circumstance. The mess that that is. And so the way Moses responds to the people here, verses 13 and 14, sort of captures the theme, the import of, of the rest of the chapter. Let's read this again. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So stand firm, see the salvation of the Lord, and only be silent. Three words, or three main points this morning. Stand, see, silence. Um, Pharaoh's had a change of heart. Or not really. He really hasn't had a change his heart. His heart hasn't, hasn't changed at all. He did what God said he would do. He drove the people out of Egypt. He, along with the Egyptians, are overwhelmed by the power of the Lord. They've learned, they've seen there is no God like Yahweh. He is the rightful ruler and master of all, not just Israel. His mercy, he spares Pharaoh. He takes only the firstborn, and the people of Israel move out confidently. But now Pharaoh realizes that his slave labor is gone. You know, they didn't, they didn't belong to this God. They, they were his, after all. So he's still the man on top in this hardness, this hardness of heart, which the Lord knows. The Lord confirms. He goes after the Israelites. So it looks like he's cooperated, but he's unwilling to submit to the Lord. So that, that arrogance, that pride of heart is still there. That has not changed. And this is the very plan and purpose of God. He's setting, setting the Egyptians up for this battle, which we know is going to be no battle at all. We know this story. But it's another opportunity for the Lord to show His power and glory over the Egyptians over the gods that they worship. There's people to see this. Now, the Israelites have a long way to go in understanding the power and the authority of God. Uh, trusting in that power and the authority that belongs to Him. Now, the Egyptian army, I think we mentioned this last week, but this is the most powerful uh, war machine in the world at the time. Uh, and they're very well equipped. You know, the chariots, this is the cutting edge in military technology here. Um, it would not have taken long for them to, to catch up to the Israelites who are on foot, basically. Um, Pharaoh's got his elite ranks uh, in this army. So when the people see this, they are terrified. Um, maybe a little bit like uh, Hawaii or earlier in the year. Maybe you heard about this. An, an employee of the Hawaiian emergency management system was scrolling down and accidentally hit the wrong button on the, the text menu. And it sent out a text and a TV warning. And what did it say? Ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii. Seek immediate shelter. This is not a drill. That's not a small mistake. It caused this mass panic over 
Hawaii. I think it took them some 45 minutes to actually send out a, a message of, of all safe. So Israel is not staring in the face of a nuclear threat, but it's not that far off for the time period. They're in panic. They're ready to go back, give their allegiance back to Pharaoh and not the Lord who has rescued them. So Moses tells them to fear not, stand firm. It's, it's a pointed and confident response from Moses. And again, as, as, as the people travel along and they continue to complain in the wilderness, it's going to, it's going to wear on Moses. Um, he'll, he'll get less patient. But in this case, he instructs them uh, with confidence and, and with force. The language is more of a rebuke than a comfort. It says, fear not, the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. There really is no reason to fear. In fact, think about it, they don't have a right to fear. If the Egyptians were not pursuing Israel, if they could not see the, the dust of the chariots on the horizon, that would be cause for concern because God said they would pursue. Back there in verse 4. So the fact that they can see them coming should be an assurance that what God said is coming true. Here they come, just as the Lord said they would. Stand firm. Don't panic. Don't run away. Trust in the strong hand of the Lord. He's, he's guided us to this point. He will guard us and provide a way when there, there seems to be no way. People are trapped. If the Lord does not act then they're finished and he loses them to their old master. People are to stand on the Lord's faithfulness. He will deliver. Fight for them. We need to acknowledge that we cannot save ourselves. The message is reinforcing what Brother Ed was sharing with the kid just a moment ago. We must admit this, which is the grace of God working in our hearts for us to be able to do that. We must admit this before we take on the name Christian. We must continue to believe this as Christians. We cannot save ourselves from the slavery of sin. We cannot sanctify ourselves when we've been set free. You think of the attacks of Satan, the spiritual forces of evil are just relentless. He wants his slaves back. Matthew 13, Jesus is explaining that the parable of the sower the seed of the word falls on, on the path. So it's heard. It, it, it starts to process. But then he says, in this case, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. In our own strength, we're trapped. And if Satan and those who go about his work are able to, to isolate us and it becomes just that much easier to say, I'm done. I'm going back. Following this new master is too hard. It's too painful. But the Lord does act. On His mercy, He delivers, fights for us as we stand and trust in Him. What does standing firm look like? It's really leaning into and believing the promises of God. Consistency in adhering to God's Word. A continual pursuit of Christ-likeness. To stand firm is to fall in submission, dependence upon the Lord. We stand in faith with the Lord Jesus, waiting for that salvation that is already ours, yet not yet in full. And He equips us to do this. The Apostle Paul 
tells the church in Ephesians 6, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. So this armor of God that Paul is describing, it shows us that standing, standing firm is not a passive activity. Sort of like, like seeing in the silence that we're going to mention in just a moment. It's an active trust. And we hear that phrase, you know, let go and let God, which is an easy phrase to remember and it sort of speaks to the idols of our heart a little bit. But how about hold on tight and let God? Hold on, stand firm on His mercy and His faithfulness and His power and watch what He will do. Watch what He must do. So from a natural, natural man perspective, um, we can see why the people are so terrified. Um, but it's still, it's still a lack of faith. They've seen the strikes against Egypt. They've seen the power of God over the created order. Um, so their faith is it's weak at this moment. It's not entirely gone. It's not completely shattered. Hebrews tells us this. By faith, the people crossed on dry land but the Egyptians were drowned. So there was a little faith as they crossed, but much more when they look back to watch what the Lord does. Um, freeing them and fighting for them. So the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward, lift up your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. The people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Sort of scratch you, I say, wait a minute. Moses crying out to the Lord? It wasn't, wasn't Moses doing this. It was the people. So even though he, he's not personally the one crying out to the Lord, in a way he, he is because he's a representative of the people. He's in that, that priestly role as well as that of a prophet who speaks the word of God to the people. And we remember the staff well. The staff Moses yields is the staff of God. So there's a very clear connection here between the actions of Moses with the staff and the parting of the water. God gives two commands and Moses follows with two actions in the staff. So it's the Lord using His creation. He uses this, this wind to part the waters. But He's changing the, the order, the laws of his creation in the moment as Moses stretches out his hand. And there have been numerous attempts to um, you know, try and, and explain this through natural occurrences, but it really it, you can't do justice to it. It's what we find here in the text. The Lord has all power over nature at every moment. Listen to this, this portion of the song from Asaph in Psalm 77. When the waters saw you, O God, when the waters saw you, they were afraid. Indeed, the deep trembled, the clouds poured out water, the skies gave forth thunder. Your arrows flashed on every side, the crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Your lightnings lighted up the world, the earth trembled and shook. Your way was through the sea, your path through the great waters, yet your footprints were unseen. You led your people like 
a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. So now the Israelites have this front row seat. They're going to be spectators actively trusting. This is going to be the Lord's fight, His battle and His victory. See the salvation of the Lord, which He will work for you today. Verse 13, and at the end, verse 31, Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. A different fear than what they showed at the beginning. They see the Lord's hand. They see His deliverance when there is absolutely no way out. Think of Joshua chapter 10 as the people move through the land in conquest. Read the summary. And Joshua captured all the kings in their land at one time because the Lord God of Israel fought for Israel. Remember that opposition building the wall around Jerusalem. Nehemiah encourages the people, in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. Psalm 138. King David. Oh, he knew well of what he spoke. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. and your right hand, it delivers me. He fights for us. If we keep our eyes on the enemy focus on on His strength, the perceived power of the evil around us, is going to put us into panic. And we're going to be enslaved to fear. And we want to give up the fight. Just sort of lay down the armor of God. I'm thinking of of Tolkien's novel, uh, The Hobbit and the Vicious Dragon Smog. He's destroying the city down by the lake and barred And his son, they have the last black arrow that can pierce the skin of the dragon. And in the the Hollywood making of this, Bard is on the tower with his son and he's got the arrow stretched and the arrow is sitting on the shoulder of his son. And smog is coming up behind, fire breathing, ready to just destroy them. He says, look at me. Don't turn around. Don't turn around. Look at me. Look at me. And he shoots. Brings down the dragon. Um, Trust looking to the one who's fighting for us. Trusting He knows where to aim and when to shoot. We fix our eyes on the one who's delivered us. Fixing our eyes on Christ, the author, finisher of our faith. He's gone to battle for us, continues to fight for us. The power of the Holy Spirit. So the battle belongs to the Lord and He will be glorified. We said that the Lord strengthened Pharaoh's resolve um, to go about this attack for the very purpose uh, that he would get the glory. So what, what does that mean? What does it mean for God to get glory? He is glorified. We praise him in all his glory. But to get glory, well, it means that God gets the credit for the battle. Playing chess with Lydia, or checkers rather, the other day. And as I'm thinking about my next move, she's sort of pointing to the next move or kind of whispering what what the next move could be. And she ended up beating me quite badly in checkers. But even if I had won, I couldn't take the credit because she said, you know, go there and go there. It's not true for our God. Uh, He gets all the credit. Um, His majesty, supremacy, power, Holiness, it will be acknowledged. He will be revered and worshipped. 
That is to get glory. We should leave with that question on this point here. Do you see the unfolding events, all the unfolding events in your life as a way in which God is bringing glory to Himself? We're saved for His glory, and our growth, our sanctification is for His glory. That's an important way to view our experiences and to, to shape into prayers. You know, God be glorified in, fill in that blank. God be glorified through, whatever that may be. It says the Lord will fight for you and you have only to be silent. Stand firm, see, and be at peace in the Lord's protection. God is using His creation. He's using the sinful actions of Pharaoh to accomplish His purpose. And you've seen those, those t-shirts or stickers, you know, keep, keep calm and keep calm and eat something, or keep calm and carry on, keep calm and, you know, whatever you can put in that blank. So in one sense, Moses is handing out that sticker, keep calm and cross. Okay, this is not your fight, it is the Lord's. But in, in another sense, and I think this is, is probably a stronger one, he's telling them to be quiet and see how this plays out. You know, what's on their lips right now? It's fear. It's complaining. It's accusing God's appointed leaders. It's, it's irrational. It's madness. We'd be better off in Egypt. I'm just saying, enough. <laughs> okay? it, it, stop, stop talking like that. It's only going to get you into trouble. Watch and trust what the Lord will do. Isaiah 30, the prophet is warning the people to return to the Lord, to listen to His instruction as a part of this call to repentance. He says, In returning and rest you shall be saved. In quietness and trust shall be your strength. A quietness not only, not only of the mouth, but in the heart. Don't be restless. Don't be rash. Trust in what only... God can do. So even though it's very difficult for the people to see, the Israelites are never in any real danger. God will save them. His judgment will prevail upon those who set themselves against the Lord. The people of Israel are called to believe this just as we are today. When something doesn't turn out the way that we are hoping, life takes an unexpected turn. It can be easy to work ourselves into a frenzy. How about just the unfairness of life? Right? You know, decisions that you now have to make that you never asked for. But because of sins of others, because of the present darkness, because of God's providential path for you, it does create a heaviness and anxiety or depressed spirit. So even our sin scarred hearts want to cast that blame, look for a way out, a way of relief but we're called to quietness and trust. To be still and know that our God maintains rule over every part of our lives. You know, children of the King, those who have crossed from death to life are not lost. They're never in any real danger. So we cling to the promises of God and in Christ, I, I am with you always to the very end of the age until your faith is made sight. 
So later in Prince Caspian, Peter is sitting down with Lucy, and he's looking at an image of Aslan. And he turned and he said, where is he? Why, why couldn't I see him? And with a deep concern, Lucy says, well, maybe you weren't looking. Implying that, that maybe High King Peter didn't expect to see Aslan. Or really believe that he could help. And so in trust, the, the overwhelmed and trapped Narnians, they send Lucy to go find Aslan, whom they have not visibly seen up to this point. And he finds her on the journey. And in that closing battle, the, the Telmarine army is coming up to, to the bridge and there is Lucy on the other side with her dagger in hand. And Aslan standing next to her. Both just staring silently across the bridge. And Telmarine's charge. And about halfway across the bridge, Aslan roars. And they fall back in fear, awe, and the river begins to rise. It's really cool in the film. And this takes on this human form and crashes down on the bridge. The advancing army is just swept away. Lucy, Lucy just watched from the other side. As Aslan, in complete control, fights, defends the one he loves. Just soak in that for a second. Overrun, helpless against the enemy, Christ has done all. He is that divine warrior, guardian of all whom the Father has given to Him. So He's lived, He's died, He has secured the resurrected life for us. In the Bible, the sea is often representative of, of chaos and, and death that only God can control and can confine it's the sea that will be no more when the new heaven and earth collide. And so the people went into the midst of the sea and out the other side. Symbolically moving from death to life. So the Lord has, has taken us. He's moved us from death to life in Christ. John uses this language in his Gospel, chapter 5. Truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over, moved from death to life. In the New Testament, we hear the, the words of the jailer in Philippi. He calls out to the apostles, Acts chapter 16, what must I do to be saved? Maybe you've heard that question. Maybe you're asking that question right now. The answer is nothing. Jesus has done it all. He is the obedient Israelite who stands silent before his attackers. He is our deliverer. Repent. Believe. We must look to him who fights for us. The salvation that he has already accomplished. Stand firm. Be silent. And see the salvation of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word to us. That you are the one who guides us, takes us on the path that you have ordained for us. You are the one who guards us. How you fight for your own. So Lord, we thank you. That though trapped and helpless in and of ourselves, you have come to our rescue. You have set us free and it is you who is sanctifying us, growing us. 
that we might trust you more and believe in you, our Savior, in your strong, unmatched grace and mercy. Lord, send us from this place in trust and obedience. We might stand firm in the promises of you, our God. In Jesus' name, amen.